Hello and a welcome to season four, episode 15 of The Dive. I am Kobe, joined by Azale and Mark Z. And this episode is brought to you by Honda. Today we are going to uh, get right into our power rankings for summer. First episode to kick it off. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to do it, man. Um, and I'm just going to address the fact that I'm wearing sunglasses. <laughs> My eye is messed up. I have an eye infection. It's nasty. Y'all don't want to see it. So this is what we're going to do. I wanted a zoomed in camera shot of just your eye through the entire <laughs> show as you kind of like move around. Uh, that's going to be a, a pass for me. All right. Just, just throwing it out there. You know, yeah. think about it. All right. So today, the big power ranking episode, Summer Split, is finally upon us, man. It feels like it has been so long since we have had LCS. And the fact that there was no MSI, I think, really is the main reason for that. Yes, there was the midseason cup, but it's it's just not the same. You know, there wasn't any any teams playing there. Um, you know, there there's been this massive break, and it, and it, I really have been kind of craving the beginning of the summer split. Yeah, I think it's it's so weird without being able to go watch C9 go off to MSI and compete, and like having that month filled with other things while you wait. Uh, so, and it has like a weird knock on effect where like. I think because we don't have that to focus on, we like hyper focus on roster moves and there's been a lot of drama in the off season that uh, has been blown up. So I think I am excited to get back into League of Legends. Yeah. I mean, I really did like, uh, especially watching the LPL LCK games, but one side effect of not having um, an MSI, we don't have either more or less hype for Cloud9 than, uh, you know, sometimes we have our number one team go off and, oh, we get to finals of MSI and we come back and we're like, oh my God, yeah, they're Let's just going to uh, continue smashing. <laughs> or, you know, they just get smashed by the number one teams from uh, all the regions around yeah. the world. And then if people are all of a sudden questioning like, oh, but how will they do back when, when they come back to NA and uh, play against our arms? So there's no questions this time around. I think... Uh, we can start off our power rankings by saying that it is an easy answer for rank number one here. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody is going to have Cloud9 rank one because they absolutely smashed in spring. And the only, in my opinion, really big mover it, from spring to summer, of course, has, has been the double lift move. There have been some other smaller moves, but I don't think any of those are going to have big impacts on uh, any of the teams that are actually even going to get close to Cloud9. And I don't think that the double lift move is going to benefit TSM enough to uh, be able to take a you know, swipe at the crown. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to say about C9. Even like some of the stuff you'd be worried about heading from spring to summer, like, oh, the MSI hangover from having to play an extra month and then take your break doesn't even apply here. So I don't see any reason to, mm -hmm. to unseat C9 as, as the best team in North America. Yeah, I mean, I think your only real like concerns and maybe in the back of your mind is like, oh, do they get too cocky? You know, are they not going to try as hard now that they've already won? You know, like these sort of things. And and those are very big like question marks. You, know, you can't you can't count on that happening. Uh, they performed so incredibly well in spring. I think it's it's easily, you know, at least in the argument for the most dominant split ever right in LCS you know not only did they have an incredible record they absolutely crushed the competition they closed games out so fast and that's why we were so excited for the potential of them going to MSI so you know for me I, I want our teams when they go international to be great right and I want to be able to see 
cloud nine keep up that level because i i think that they they could have held their own at msi i think that they could have been really you know exciting playing at that level at this time so you know for for me i am hoping that uh you know cloud nine maintains their their really high level and that our other teams are able to level up and and you know compete with them and we can send some really damn good teams to worlds because i do think cloud nine looked great in spring and you know i want to see other teams try to try to match their level a couple things for me um First of all, Cloud9 are cocky, um, and I don't actually—I don't know. The question for me is, can they even be too cocky? I've talked to them, yes. and they're all like, "Yes, they—they <laughs> they are very cocky right now." And uh, Licorice gave that interview where he's talking about them trying a lot of really out there stuff in scrims. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the way that they dominated, I expect to continue because um, you know some of the the changes from spring to summer and just looking at even the LPL LCK games, I think it is actually going to continue in cloud nine strengths mm-hmm. of um, playing very dominant, uh, helping out the jungler blabber Niski can still do very similar game plans. They showed, even though it was a complete off roll show match, DSM roster versus cloud nine roster, um, they still had the coordination and in the early game they had like level three, four people going mid, they got their first blood, they pushed on objectives like immediately and you're, you're like, wait, they're all off rolls. it doesn't matter because they're all going mid anyways, they're in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, uh, even that yeah, little rolls glimpse. rolls don't matter if your lane doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. that little glimpse made me think like, okay, Sven is still going to be a beast in the bottom lane, his Vladimir play was super good um, and all the other boxes that we've just been going on about all uh, spring long are still going to be there. Yeah, even the the concern about complacency, like Vulcan and Sven have one and two in North American yeah. ladder. Like they're clearly still you know trying pretty hard and putting the effort in. So I, I have zero concerns about C nine. Yeah, that, that's why I'm I'm not really worried. You just kind of have to put it out there. That's like the only question mark, right? But but cockiness, I think to to Kobe's point, only becomes an issue if you stop doing the preparation, right? If you become so cocky that you don't think you have to try hard anymore, that you don't think you have to grind and practice to beat these teams anymore, that's when it becomes an issue. I don't think they're there very clearly, as you say. You know, they're dominating in solo queue. I've heard they're doing really well in scrims. Um, you know. Like when that stops being there and they're not playing games and they're not working hard, then that's when cockiness really becomes an issue because teams will surpass you, right? You have to remember that the reason you got this good is all the work they put in, is the the off camp, you know, sorry, the boot camp in the off season before spring, you know, uh, Sven and Vulcan going to Korea and spam grinding games, and clearly, you know, they're not doing that in Korea right now because of COVID, you can't travel, but like they are grinding hard in NA and, you know, putting in that same level of work. So Cloud9, I think heavy 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 favorite we all have them at number one they're the dive aggregate at number one i think they're gonna be you know literally everyone's number one get me out of c9 there's nothing cool to say about them anymore they're the best all right i got i was gonna say uh because we just i just talked about the double lift move and to me not being a that that big um enough for tsm to challenge cloud Mm -hmm. nine for the crown uh azale you have tsm the highest of all of us at yeah. number two right below them so uh, the di- the dive aggregate actually has FlyQuest and tsm tied at number two um that is you know i had tsm at, at number two mark had them at three kobe had them at four you guys actually both had FlyQuest at two uh, i had FlyQuest down in five so that is why yikes. it is, is tied so you guys obviously thought FlyQuest was going to do a lot better than i did you know f- for me my my thought process behind putting TSM so high, you know, my big question mark for them, obviously 
is the jungle role, right? You know, this is this is where you know Speak is going to have to be able to play, you know, really well. Uh, I think for them to be able to perform because these other top teams have great junglers. That is a big question mark. But what I do have a tremendous amount of confidence in is is kind of like the drive and the hunger that Devlift is going to have, and I know that Bjergsen has that too. Like these guys have had a tremendous amount of success in the past. I know that. Even when Doublelift was on TL, you know, he still had incredibly high opinion of Biofrost. He's always liked him. He has always liked playing with him. I think that bottom lane is going to be incredibly good. And I think that Doublelift is is going to be so hungry to prove the doubters wrong. You know, um, he talked, you know, in spring split about about realizing like how quickly, you know, you can lose your reputation, how quickly you can lose your respect from the community, from your peers, um, with, you know, turning in, you know, like a handful of okay games or, or bad games. Right. And that is something that I think he, he really, really is going to be setting out to kind of disprove. And, you know, he wants to maintain the crown. Um, spring split was really, I think the first time in a long time that people were talking about double lift as anything, but the clear best marksman in an A. Right. And, and now everyone says it's Sven. Everyone is going to say the best bottom lane is C9s. And it is until they can, you know, until they can take that, that thrown back. And I, I, I just am excited for this because I think that Doublelift at his best is incredible. He has clearly been the best bot laner in, in the league for many, many, many years. Um, and pretty much wherever he's gone, he's won. So uh, I do think that if that bot lane is as good as I think it's going to be, and I think it's, you know, potentially going to be the best in the league that TSM does then have the ability to, to really fight at the top of the table. Oh, I, ho- I hope I, I, I didn't see lot, that. Lot, I, I was about to say that's, that's just some selective hearing out of mm-hmm. double. If he thinks it was mediocre performances for why any respect left, it was probably more. Well, bad performances. And, yeah. I, like so, I, I, so I, I, maybe I'm putting words in. This. So, so for me overall, I didn't think double was that bad in spring. Yeah, I actually didn't. I think he had really bad Senate games. I think he had, you know, a couple of real clunkers. But overall, I felt like people were almost having revisionist history talking back on like, Double was terrible all spring long. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was actually pretty good. He just wasn't double lift. He wasn't like what you expect out of him, right? He wasn't dominating. I think he was fine for the most part. But it wasn't just, you know, double lift, uh, the only problem on TL. A lot of the TL players played really poorly. Impact, Core JJ, double lift, Broxa was horrible. They were, they were all not playing to their standard. Um, so, so that was not a double lift quote. You know, I, I, like, it was okay. more just I had heard him talking about, you know, how, how quickly people like lose respect or opinion changes and stuff on a player, right? And I was more saying I thought he had a mediocre split, yeah. not a okay. horrible okay. split. Okay, yeah. So to be clear. Yeah. Uh, either way, back to the power ranking. I think the thing I totally agree about the hunger and the drive and everyone's excited. There's a lot of big names on this team. I just, I, part of me feels like even putting them third is kind of grabbing on to like the former glory versus like how, like, how far removed are we from it? It's like a split gone. What? We're, we're what? For double lift. Oh, for double lift. Sure. But for the rest of TSM, it's been forever. Yeah. It was like, yeah, they yeah. were in the finals in 2019 spring. Uh, but, you know, they've really struggled to find any sort of consistency with their lineups and, and their, their play style last split. Coaching staff concerns still exist. You've already mm-hmm. highlighted the jungle. There's questions about play style. Ever since Broken Blade's been playing, he's been a top lane-centric carry, and now you're bringing Doublelift in, who usually is uh, interested in getting a lot of resources, you know? So, like, there's a ton of question marks around this team that still are why I, I have a problem placing them any higher than third. And even then... Like, if things work out, I think, you know, Azalea, right, that they can get up to second and take mm-hmm. over FlyQuest. I don't think FlyQuest has a lock on that at all. But 
there's so many question marks around this team that I have a hard time dismissing them all, you know, with, well, double if's going to be really hungry and he yeah. is usually the best. And, and to yeah. be clear, I had them second. You had them third. <laughs> so one, yeah, it's, I know. it's one like, place there until like, even, even whoa, third, <laughs> even third to me feels like the, for me, it feels like I'm holding on to past glory. Okay. Yeah. So this team, um, I, I do have a lot of the nostalgia and do, um, respect the skill cap. Uh, for a lot of the combinations that you can make with this TSM. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that is there for this team. But uh, there are just so many concerns with with putting it together. And this is also kind of fueled by a lot of the stuff that I've heard already for what is going on right now. Mm -hmm. They do not, it is not working right now. Um, it, it's, uh, it has not started working for them, at least already, um, you know, this early. Of course, they need a lot more time. Um, and some of the things that they needed to change were in-game shot calling and the way that the team operates, transitioning from strong early games in through the mid-game into actually finishing it out. One of the biggest critiques of TSM, and of course, Double has very strong opinions on that. So this is going to take a long time for it to come together mm -hmm. and for it to work. That's why, even though I do have a high ceiling for this team, I'm not putting them that high um, in... Uh, because these are usually our these are regular split power rankings, mm -hmm. and I think that it is definitely going to take time for this team to actually realize these weapons. Um, in addition, um, I do have uh, pretty big concerns about the jungle position for this team. Not only um, you know the individual player, but also adding double lift in this powerhouse for the bottom side can also add more stress, more pressure on the on this position. Um, that's already going to very the the most notorious juggle position Depends in all, against the dark arts. all of the LCS, maybe in League of Legends. Um, so uh, I do, I definitely do have those concerns. Mm -hmm. I do think that the moves are positive for them. Um, I've even heard some mm -hmm. people that are like, ah, you know, double if coming from his TL performance in place in Kabe. You know, I, I think it's for sure positive. Um, my main thing is that it is going to take a lot of time and I've heard that it's definitely bumpy right now for them yeah. coming together. So uh, that's why I actually had more faith in FlyQuest where you dropped them so far and I was like, what? Not only were they in the finals, I feel like FlyQuest is my little brother's like best friend that just gets no respect <laughs> in, in our friend group and he's always just like tagging along and he's even doing well and, and you know, we're playing he's games. A dork. He's, He's second place, and, and nobody remembers him as second place. They're like, oh, you know, that's just your little brother's friend. And I'm like, yeah, he was in the finals, guys. So you're like, what? Um, Power of Evil, most damage per minute of anybody in the LCS. He has really retaken his throne as one of these powerhouse mid laners. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge identity for FlyQuest. And people forget... They didn't even use Solo in the top lane, which was way better for them for almost all of spring. Yeah. And they finally figured it out in playoffs, finally by the end, moving it around, that they had like this good configuration. And I really liked Solo's interview that he gave afterwards, by the way, of him talking about wanting to uh, be a, I think his term was glue man, which is a weird term, but you get what he's talking about, trying to oh, man. you know provide the things that the team needs to. Sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> watch out, glue man. Glue when you man. play with arts and crafts too much. <laughs> at first, I was like, "What the?" Heck? Just covered in cardboard paper, and you think <laughs> glue is coming at you. I can't get it off me. <laughs> it's just dripping. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> coming but, to theaters near I really, you. <laughs> so I really liked where he was coming from with man. that because because that is really what this team has needed. It has needed all these little pieces. It really needed a glue man, you know they. <laughs> They've got a little popsicle get stick, part the parts of the body, the but man, they're all man. just you know separate. They need the glue man to exactly. bring them together. We've got yeah. our idea for Azale's next cosplay <laughs> when he loses another bet. I have I have the cosplay by the way. That'll be coming sometime soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so so my thing with with FlyQuest was basically like well, and, and I wanted to say this on TSM too is that I think TSM has issues, but I think everyone below Cloud Nine actually has clear issues, right? I don't think that there is there is any like fully complete roster that um of course that not. there's no there's no kind of question marks, right? You know, when you when you look at TSM, clearly we talked about some of their issues, the jungle stuff, you know, how's it gonna come together as a squad? The you know the four, the TSM pieces haven't had you know, championship success in a while. Um I also think, you know, for FlyQuest, it's like I, I put them fifth, right? That's that's one game away from where they were in the regular season in spring. Um, yes, they did get to, to the finals in, in playoffs. Uh, they had a good performance there. You know, will they be better with Solo? That kind of remains to be seen long-term. They definitely look better with him, you know, in, in, the, in the playoff stretch. Um, but I will say, like, FlyQuest is also, I thought, a team that felt like while they performed well in playoffs, down the stretch in, in spring, they were actually regressing, right? They started 7-3, and three, and then they went 3-6 and six down the stretch. And I felt like teams like 100 Thieves, teams like EG, um, were actually making you know, large improvements over that course of time. Um, I also did not expect TL to actually repeat the same level of performance that they did. I think that TSM has gotten better, right? So that is kind of more where, not like I'm like, ah, FlyQuest is really bad. I just felt more like some of these other teams around them have been improving and have been kind of you know, on the, uh, moving in an upward trajectory or made changes that have improved the, the team. And that is where I just felt like, okay, I could see FlyQuest getting bumped down a little. I still think that they're a strong team. Power of Evil has been great. Santorin was really good. I think Solo Hat has been consistent. The bot lane has been, you know, improving. Ignar and Turtle have, have been looking pretty good overall. But you know, this this was like a, a ten and eight roster in spring that finished three and six down down the split or, or, or so. Um, and and I think that the league is going to be better around them. I think it's unrealistic to think that TSM and TL are going to play. You know, uh, well TL especially is going to play as bad as they did in spring. And your competition is just getting harder, right? I think uh, one of the things for me is even though they, they did drop a little bit during the split, I think that's kind of the Kobe's point about solo coming in is yeah. that that was one of the, the one weaknesses that they really had on their roster was their top lane play. Not that they, you know, uh, didn't have other problems, but that was like the one glaring one and they should have shored that up with solo. Now they've had more time to integrate them uh, with him. I mean, and on top of that, they're one of the few that doesn't have any, holes that I see as glaringly obvious that I think a lot of the teams in their ballpark probably mm -hmm. do have when I look at uh, 100 Thieves, even EG a little bit, um, you know, like I feel like they're the most well-balanced team. And so if one team is going to repeat their spring performance level, I actually do have the most confidence in FlyQuest compared yeah. to some of the other people who finish at 10 and 8, like EG and 100 Thieves. Uh, when you talk about TL climbing the standings and doing better and TSM climbing the standings and doing better, I actually think FlyQuest will be the one that stacks up the best against them, and those other teams will be the ones that drop. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting because I, I felt like you know for for me you know maybe I'm focusing too much on it, but I saw more of an improvement from EG and Hundred Thieves throughout throughout the spring split. Right, it felt like they were getting better. When you look at you know Jazuke and 
on EG at the start of spring, like how bad that looked towards the end when it felt like he was, you know, one of the best carry threats in the league, you know, how much Ryoma and some of those guys, you know, did improve. I still have FlyQuest, like I said, like reasonably high. I still have him as a playoff team in fifth. I guess, well, actually top eight make playoffs, right, in summer. Um, so pretty <laughs> much everyone team. is a playoff team. Um, uh, you know, but but you I do think... You get a think, playoff team. You get a playoff team. I, I do think FlyQuest, you know, can can compete with those upper teams. Um, and, and But clearly, like, you guys have more confidence in them. I just think that, you know, TL and TSM, while while FlyQuest has, has less kind of, like, glaring errors and, you know, maybe are the more complete team, I also think that they have lower... Like they have a lower ceiling, right? You know, mm-hmm. if Doublelift is at his best, and if Jensen is at his best, and and these types of players, Core JJ, I just don't think FlyQuest has the individual talent to really match up with with TL and TSM if those teams are playing to their potential. Now, whether or not they will is another question. And if FlyQuest, you know, plays plays kind of like around their level, which I think they're fairly consistent, um, then they could very easily, you know, pass pass a lot of those teams in standings. Sounds like a man who lost all his money betting on stocks, refusing to give up on player peaks and not uh, adapting to a, a player reality. Okay? Uh, you stocks. lost all your money too, Kobe. <laughs> Fair enough. And I've uh, won the stock game twice. <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the best we make on the dive. The stock market is a different segment. It's not uh, the dive. true. It's, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, not, yeah, no, exactly. no bearing here. Yeah. Also, um, I do think, because you guys are uh, memeing on talking about playoff teams or non-playoff teams, uh, with the change to the format, I think we'll probably also change kind of our cutoff bars of like upper bracket teams and lower yeah. bracket teams. You almost have to talk yeah. about top four. Which is, it's going to be more exclusive because again, it's only top four teams, but it means even more than. So I think I think I actually like where it's headed um, instead of just having this big clump of, oh, you're in playoffs. Mm-hmm. You, know, that's, uh, you know, that's something. Now we'll be like, all right, upper bracket teams is a big deal. Uh, yeah. compared to lower bracket ones. And honestly, I I first, when I was making my list, put these teams into clumps. Obviously, you have Cloud9 as the topper there. There's no clump there. It's like this the the crown jewel. And They're then I had, cherry. I, I had two other clumps of teams. Um, and I think all of us had, yeah, every single one of us, we did have uh, those within in the boundaries yeah, of yeah. these ones. The, the top clump is very sure, and we're moving them around a bit with FlyQuest, Team Liquid, TSM. EG and even hundred thieves. I think we all had them just kind of at that line, cutting off the bottom four for us, which were also all the same. So let's just mm-hmm. keep on moving down. So um, TL TL was actually right behind in, in aggregate power ranks, just below by like TL four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were one point behind that that tie for second. Um, so as much as it's tie for second and then fourth, they were basically you know right in there as, as far as how people had them. Uh, Kobe actually had TL in third above TSM. Um, you know, I had TL in third as well. Uh, Mark had them a little bit lower in fourth, just below CSM. But, you know, I, I think it's it's safe to say that no one is expecting the same low-level performance from TL with the amount of talent that they had, with how long they dominated in the region. Clearly, there was a lot of issues going on in TL that culminated in the departure of Doublelift. You know, obviously internal issues, maybe it's personality clash, maybe it's loss of motivation. There's all these all these different things. Um you know, they have now brought on Jad as a coach, which is going to be really interesting. Uh, tactical coming in is kind of, I think, the biggest question mark for people. But I think, at least in, in my head, I can speak for myself, I can't see them looking as bad as they looked in spring. I just don't think it makes sense with the quality of players that they have and how recently 
those players have been good. It's not as though you have to look a couple years back to see, you know, Broxa and Core JJ doing well, right? You know, it's it's like look back a couple months and these guys were crushing it. So uh, I think even if tactical is not to the level that Doublelift has been in the past, you don't need to have five stars on a team. And this is still a team with four superstars who, you know, if they are working well together, uh, could be very dominant. The way I would put it for people who are like, well, how, you know, could they be good? It's like Ichi got second last split and Kumo was was the top laner, someone who a lot of people had as one of the, the lower performing top laners. And they were still able to get mm-hmm. second. So if your team is playing well and Kumo did a really good job playing his role and obviously performed much better than people expected, but it wasn't like he was a stud and expected to carry in top yeah. lane. That's what people want out of tactical. Like, you know, I mean. C nine won and Lickers didn't even get player of the week. Like they had no carry. <laughs> you know, they had this, they had this, they had this, you know, this anchor up from the top. Like, yeah. I mean, you can totally <laughs> get top four, top three, even top two with, yeah. with uh, tactical. I don't think that's out of the question at all. And to your point, you no, know, it's about how the rest of the team comes together and finding a new identity, which I think is the biggest hurdle that they have to face more so than talent or tactical. But like double lift was one of the key features of your team for two years. He's gone now. What do you do? And that's a lot on the players and also a lot on, on Jat uh, to find what the new TL style is. Yeah. Um, Brox actually gave an interview with, I believe Emily Rand pretty recently about what changes he wanted to make um, with uh, the difference of double, if not being there for team liquid. And uh, one of the first things he cited was the team being pigeonholed into being a bottom lane style team and have to play bottom lane centric. Uh, he wants it. And he believes that it is progressing to the point where any lane that he gets ahead can carry and finish out the game. So that's interesting to hear. He also, I was uh, pretty interested to hear, he was talking about really wanting to be more aggressive because he was looking back through footage and just kept on thinking, why aren't we fighting here? Why am I not fighting here? Why am I not, you know, in these different um, skirmish points? And uh, those types of things kind of snowball throughout a split where the team continues to um kind of spiral in, in that yeah, direction. confidence and yeah so uh yeah so i think that's going to be really interesting to see how that develops plus add on to this to the fact that i was actually really excited for tactical um mm-hmm. i know there were a lot of memes flying around because he just boom popped into the lcs double up to sick oh they won what's gonna happen something crazy like them not playing double lift well it turns out that's exactly uh what has happened and I think that he actually played really well. Plus, um, you know, we've all uh, seen the streams with Core JJ where they have a really good relationship too. So it's not like you're plugging in a super scared, uncomfortable rookie. Uh, this this is a guy that is very good friends with his lane partner. Um, they already talk a lot and see the game in a very similar way. I think that's one of the most important things for bottom lane duos is to be able to have that so you don't have to communicate so many of these things vocally. So, uh, yeah, I actually, I don't think that their roster is in shambles. Like a lot of people are like, oh my God, they lost double lift. What is the world coming to time to jump ship? Um, I, I think that they will be able to, um, definitely salvage this and do a lot better than spring. I mean, something, something I'm looking for is, is just what was kind of advertised when they got Broxa. 
right, was people talked about them getting Broxa so they could play more heavily around this mid-jungle duo. Jungle is incredibly strong right now. You know, you talked about a, a lot of the meta feels like, you know, these power farming junglers. I've watched a lot of the LPL. There's a lot of that. And and very often that is about playing through your mid lane. The mid laner then, you know, gets an advantage. The mid laner invades with you, helps you to steal away the enemy raptors. You have priority there. You can get both scuttles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that is kind of like why they got Brox or at least what the publicly advertised reason was for getting Brox in the first place. So uh, it does give them the ability to, to really work on that. They're going to have had more time. Um, you know, Brox obviously had his visa issues at the start of spring. So they're going to have had all this time off plus a full split. And I am excited to see kind of the development of, of, of Jensen and of Brox as a duo. And, and as much as you can say, you can play through every lane. I mean, everyone says that and wants to say that. I do think that Jensen is the clear star on the team as far as like the carry now. Um, Impact has always played more of that secondary role. He has been great at times on carries, definitely an incredible player. But as far as your, your bread and butter carry, it's likely going to be Jensen, right? And there's a lot of you know strong control mages and, and everything in the meta right now that I think can kind of fill that. And if you're playing heavily through him and you have you know, tactical playing kind of this like steady scaler, you know, almost look at like how Cody Sun has filled roles on his team and been very, very successful. If you can kind of replicate that, uh, TL might have a, a really good recipe for success. Uh, I just, I, I want to interject on the, uh, the power farming junglers. Cause I know so many, uh, people in solo queue or people at home just immediately think of their Yi, master Yi jungle only farming and like never ganking and stuff. But the, the graves, Nidalee power farming junglers are best when they're power farming the, the opponent's camps, yeah. right? Yeah. This You're is, in their we're face. Not, we're not talking about, oh yeah, it's it's all about Karthus style, just farming your own stuff safely and, and ulting. Talking about, yeah, farming farming the map uh, from your enemies and invading them. And all right, Kobe, stuff, keep, so. keep the meta discussion to, for, for later. Hold, keep, yeah. keep it keep but, it under control. You know, we got plenty of time for that. Let's, let's go to the fifth team, huh? EG. All right. Uh, uh, take it away EG. yeah so <laughs> eg was you know a, a little you know four kind of like four points behind in the in the additive rankings there so uh they were our fifth place team um and and obviously eg i do think had less of a strong finish in playoffs i guess you could say but they were actually you know second place in that three-way tie but with tiebreakers and stuff they were second place in spring split in the regular season um they did finish on a very high note in the regular season obviously have, have developed very well i think you know, especially playing around Jazuke and, and kind of like finding a balance between allowing him to go aggressive without it being like these really low uh, percentage plays and with the team kind of like understanding and playing around that and enabling him. And I do think that if EG is to be successful, a lot of it has to be um, playing through Jazuke again and, and also looking to replicate the success they had from Bang, who had been, I think, such a steady uh, presence for the team in spring. I think for me, EG dropping in the standings is less about them and more about the rest of the league leveling yeah. up. Uh, everyone, and I know it's, it's kind of tragic to say, but everyone knows that the level of play from spring split was pretty low outside C9. Um, you know, when your former champion team gets ninth, basically through no fault of their own, then it's, it's obvious that there's something uh, a little weak with going on with the region. And so I think with TLs hopefully stepping back up, like we're all predicting, TSM making an upgrade, um, that those people are going to actually battle them for second, third, and fourth now. Uh, whereas before, it, it felt like those teams weren't, weren't quite performing. So that's why I think EG is going to struggle a little bit more this split. Um, we saw that when you target Jazuke in playoffs, the way FlyQuest did a lot, you, you can limit his effectiveness quite a bit. 
Um, and that seemed like a pretty good strategy. And I expect teams will start doing that a little more often when they, when they play against them. Um, and they're also just a really streaky team. I think, uh, you know, as strong as their, the back half of their split was, the first half of their split was pretty bad. I know you want to say all that improvement's going to carry over. Um, that's what an optimist would be it would say you know like oh that's improvement it's gonna stay but I'm that's not, not an optimist the glass is half empty <laughs> when you get streaky players like jazuke and you rip off a bunch of wins towards the end of the season i i am not instantly like that's gonna continue you know um and so i do have just a little bit of a, a concern if there's another foot that's gonna drop with this team where they'll be this kind of up and down and slightly erratic mm-hmm. over the course of the season um, so that's that's why for me eg is is dropped in the standings and it's it's not really about them coming apart at the seams or anything yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I really like this team. I think this yeah. team um, is is still really strong. Um, and this is one that I could definitely see placing higher than than I've put them because of, you know, Sven Skarin and, and Jizuke. I think both of those players actually uh, are similar to kind of the, what you're talking about, Mark, where Sven Skarin, he could be an MVP jungler, um, but he could can he? also have seasons. <laughs> that, I mean... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, cra- pretty crazy for me to say, but he could yeah. be an MVP jungler. Yeah. Um, but then you, everyone also remembers his seasons of um, like just h- hard feeding, like getting caught all the time in Most the river and in stuff. The league, so, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so like the the stability uh, uh, for this team isn't there. That's part of what I think makes them exciting, and I like mm-hmm. it. Like it's coupled with the branding of like the evil geniuses, because uh, you know they're going to take some of these risks, try and take over the world. But um, uh, I do have them, you know, definitely above uh, what our what our basically cutoff line that we've all put hundred thieves as like separating the top five from the bottom five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I know during the season, uh, Azale also really well, hundred thieves would actually be sixth, right? So that would be yeah. That's why yeah. they're they're our cutoff line because there is no five point five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're cutting off the well, you're top saying five. Top the, five for, okay, yeah, I thought you meant they were with five. the top five. Never mind, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's definitely the other thing I kind of want to mention here, and and while it may not be super relevant for summer, um, the the addition of Huni, and I do think it kind of fits in with that like crazy you know play style and 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 uh, you know their their kind of brand and their style and, and Jizuke and Huni. To, kind of see that that happening obviously for now they can't do it uh they do have you know multiple imports already on the team um you know yeah, and, and as, currently and and as much as you know it was announced as like he's gonna be our top lane coach and academy player um i think everyone kind of can can see the the writing on the wall that it's like well he's a resident next spring right Kumo's, and, Kumo's and keeping have, his seat hot yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you know, Kumo is probably, you know, going, going to be replaced unless he makes significant improvements uh, or Huni makes, you know, some some big regression or whatever um, between now and spring. And, you know, I do think that I have got to say, you know, just even on a, a kind of like a team level, I have been pretty excited about EG just because it's like they came in pretty hot with their like, you know, we're going to beat Liquid and we're going to be the best team and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, beat Liquid. And, yeah, and, so that, yeah. But, uh, it's a large jump from there to being <laughs> yeah, the best team. Yeah, exactly. They're ninth place. Even Come ninth on, place. say your goals higher. Um, but it, it was like, you know, everyone kind of comes in with this sort of message. Just, oh, we want to win worlds, or blah, blah, you know, and I, I've just got to say, you know, whether or not Huni is the right move, I do like that they are kind of like swinging for the fences a bit here. 
Um, and you know, they, they made some big pickups with, with Bang and Suke and stuff and Spence Garen, you know, getting the MVP in spring and, you know, even in between splits, grabbing Hooney in preparation for what we assume is next year, I think is kind of cool. And it does feel like they're being pretty aggressive in trying to, to see, can we find something exciting? Can we find that kind of right combination to truly compete at the top? And, and that, that for me, I think is, is interesting um, to have in the league, right? Because you do want teams that are truly trying to actually compete at the top. My only and, concern, yeah. oh, sorry, is going to be the potential psychological impact on Kumo, uh, totally. you know, uh, knowing that they just brought someone on to basically keep in, in the oven until his, his residency <laughs> is, is good to go, and then they'll take him out. They're making up a hoony cake. You know, he's, he's, he's cooking up. He's getting the last, I don't know. Okay, sorry. Uh, they're finish, putting the finishing touches on, on his four years before he's ready to, to take your, your spot over, which feels – pretty bad probably for Kumo. And I wonder if that has an adverse effect on him uh, in summer and can potentially hurt their, their chances. But at the very least, I think it's still a better situation than the ones where it's like someone's brought in as like a sub and then you have to fight for the spot immediately and stuff. Like he still, he still gets, you know, kind of this. He has the whole split. split. He has another full split, which essentially is going to be a full year starting on an LCS team to improve and to kind of build your resume and, you know, potentially fight for that starting spot in in spring next year or to build yourself up to a point where even if you don't get that starting spot on eg that you can maybe earn it somewhere else right so i I don't think it's as bad of a situation personally because at least you know you have time uh whereas you know when you look at like the acadian grig situation and things like that for me as a player that would feel much worse where it's like you know the executioner has the axe over your head and you're just kind of like waiting for you to mess up once and then you're subbed out right uh at least he's got some time so about that, uh, have heard that they are even now possibly trying a switch uh, testing for subbing out Kumo. So the axe could be already. <laughs> I think there. not playing Bang they, is troll. They, I think yes, definitely. but they have been trying. Like I've heard that they have yeah. been trying this. So I have too. I just even, can't. Even I can't believe we, it. Yeah, even though I also think that Bang is a huge part of their success, um, it's like the, 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 it's up there right now where they could technically sub in Hooney and Deathly, uh, you know, for the Kubo Bang duo. That would obviously have a big drawback attached to it, but it's there. Yeah, I don't expect we'll see it very much, but who yeah. knows? Maybe things go south and, you know, some of this volatility that we're talking about isn't working out and they they have at least a a switch in the in the tank that they could potentially try that's kind of the situation i see it in if if you start out like oh and five or something then yeah i could totally see it right but Mm -hmm. um bang was one of the best marksmen in the league right so there is a big drawback there to actually making that swap um but the next team in the power rankings this is one we actually all agreed on all of us had them at number six 100 thieves so you know sitting there just a little bit on the outside yeah, I mean, I'm still number one someday cheerleader, but uh, uh, once it starts getting past that, then it starts to be a little bit more difficult for <laughs> to be a hundred thieves cheerleader. Um, oh, man, you got just go watch some Lane yeah. Kingdom and get hyped up. Hundred thieves. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I, I always, I, like I always love Medios. I think he has really good game sense, especially and and brings a strong direction to to a team especially when you have players that the team talked about wanting to build up like Ryoma, like a mid laner, you know, I think it's good to have a jungler um, that you're, that's a, 
uh, seasoned jungler to mm. to try and help build up whenever you're actually looking at trying to build up one of the most important roles of mid lane in the league. Um, and even though, like, because Ryoma had you know such a bad start and he was getting so much flame, when he started to have good games, everyone was really quick to be like, "Yes, great job, nice improvement." Um, you know, I'm all about that positive reinforcement. You're getting better. Good job. Um, but once you once you get into the upper echelon, um, and we kind of talked about top five teams, bottom five teams, uh, the mid laners up there are are still uh, you know head and shoulders above, mm-hmm. right? So it it does it does feel a bit dicey, especially with the recent news that they talked about not nerfing mid lane experience and cannon minions until after Worlds patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance team already, they had some plans for, for it, but it's been postponed. So mid lane is still going to be, uh, basically the king right now. Uh, I mean, solo lane experience obviously got buffed and mid lane well positioned, uh, to, to do all of the, uh, things that it's done for the last so many seasons of taking over the entire map. So, you know, that, that's one where hundred thieves are like, ah, oh, man, it's so hard to, for me to bump them up. Um, with with those concerns, plus I actually had higher hopes for the Cody Sun performance in spring than than we got uh, Cody Sun and Stunt. I think Stunt had uh, first or second most deaths in the league, and um, he he's out of position quite. It feels to me like out of position a fair amount, and he has good mechanics, and so like he can make big plays. Um, but there's a lot of times where it just feels like he's not where he should be at all. Um, and he is actually the bigger concern for me even than Ryoma potentially. Um, I, I, I think both those, when we're talking about what flaws these teams might have, th- those are two big question marks. And mm-hmm. I was not uh, impressed a ton. And I think while they did have a strong finish to the split, the playoffs did reveal a lot of the problems that they yeah. faced. Uh, I think they're a good regular split team um, because I think they have good coaching, good infrastructure. All the players seem more or less pretty positive people who really want to uh, improve and get better. And so I think they have probably one of the best environments um, in in the league, uh, which is great for the, you know, a long split as you're going on. So maybe they actually outperform a little bit of my own expectations, but I don't think it's, it'll it'll last. Yeah. Uh, By the way, stunt had 71 deaths. It's the most in the league by 10 for the next closest Mm -hmm. person. Yeah. I mean, I think hundred thieves was always kind of the, the roster was always sold to us as a, a, like a long-term thing, right. You know, that there's going to be some growing pains, you know, probably talked about that and that, you know, this is a team that they have a lot of confidence in, you know, to, to kind of develop out over time. Um, So I do think that, you know, I, I'm not expecting this team to to win the split, right? Um, but I do think that, like, as a hundred thieves fan, um, you can be happy as long as it feels like there is more improvement, right? As long as it feels like Ryoma is still getting better, if Stun is getting better, if they're like polishing up some of these these rough edges and, and kind of you know looking better even individually, then I do think that the future can become fairly bright because they have you know some some really good young players on there. You know, when you look at kind of that bottom half of the map, you know, Ryoma and Stun and Cody Sun and those guys, you know, if they can continue their development uh, throughout the summer split, then and get to a certain level, then all of a sudden, you know, having that, that big threat in the top lane, you know, of someday who was legitimately the only person outside of cloud nine that was really potentially up for first team all LCS, right? That was the only argument that anyone was making was that someday should be maybe uh, yeah. first team over licorice. No one else was even arguing any other position. So this is a really, really good player, but to your point, 
it fell very flat in playoffs, right? You know, he, he went up against, uh, I believe, Broken Blade and, and Licorice, right? Those were the kind of the, the two um, guys that they did end up actually facing. And, so, and someday didn't really look that good. You know, he wasn't able to play up to his, his kind of regular season performance. And whether that was due to, you know, jitters or due to the fact that when you have such an obvious threat on a team when you have like a one threat team you can prepare your strategy for through draft and where you're actually putting your attention and everything around stopping that player around neutralizing that player and that is where if you're 100 thieves you need more threats than just someday you need the bottom lane to then be able to dominate if people are focusing heavily on top and you need these things that can kind of swing uh the match in your favor yeah uh so moving on down the roster to Golden Guardians. Uh, this is another one that was unanimous for all of us, actually. Yep. Uh, we had them straight across at seventh. Um, I think there's not too much to say uh, on this team. They made one big move with bringing in DeMonte, and I do think DeMonte is better than uh, Golden Blue. Um, I don't know if it's enough to really move them around too much because they also – this was – don't forget they had Keith starting last split. They swapped him out. Um uh, but it's still Huhi, so it's not exactly a, a traditional starting support. So there is a lot going on with this team that is worth, you know, taking into consideration. But I don't see them being significant enough changes to to really bump them too much higher. I could I could see them, you know, taking hundred thieves spot or or maybe EG or so, you know, into fifth if some of these teams that we have above them come up short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm at too. You know, they they obviously you know were were really happy with how how they were able to make it in the playoffs, and you know we had low expectations for them going into the regular season. A lot of people did. They were able to kind of you know disprove some of that by making it into playoffs, but they also had to get into this you know multi-way tiebreaker and and kind of squeeze into playoffs through through that tiebreaker, and then you know they got slapped down when they actually got to playoffs, right? And and, and that's that's kind of where I'm sitting at. And, and if I'm just expecting, you know, some improvement from some of the teams around them, even just TL getting a bit better, then it becomes very, very difficult to, to maintain that kind of top six level. So it's like, you know, we have them as an aggregate seventh. If even just TL improves a little bit, well, guess what? That's where you are from spring, right? You're getting knocked down that kind of, that kind of one peg. Um, and I do think that it's going to be tough for golden guardians to really compete at the top of the table um, you know, with these teams if they are playing at their best. Uh, I'm excited to see DeMonte back in the league and, yeah. and have DeMonte play. And part of the excitement is being fed by talking to Closer and him being so excited. Because when I look at Golden Guardians, um, I do kind of look at Closer uh, and and the rest of the team. <laughs> um, it's Closer it, and I, friends. For for me, he was he was he's definitely the star. Um, and for him, him to have all these good things to say about playing with DeMonte and him being excited. And we know from the clutch performances, uh, you know, DeMonte always had this explosive play style. He's willing mm-hmm. to play a lot of these uh, aggressive assassin, assassin type champions mid. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see them play. Excited to see what style they come up with. Because even though this is not a high-powered roster move, DeMonte obviously, was, you know, coming from the uh, academy roster from Dig. And that indicating that dig themselves um you know went through uh their own mid lane uh tryouts internally and decided yeah it was fine to trade away Devante. um i'm still excited to see you know what this team actually looks like on Mm -hmm. stage with you know the changes that they made because golden guardians i also felt like were hindered by some of their choices with 
intentionally going in with a very short term role swap with Keith and not having a lot of time there and throughout the split figuring out what they wanted to do with with this bottom lane and and the rest of the team um it did feel like they were kind of just stumbling through a lot so um curious to see what what they'll do uh, with more of a direction now i we all have them again agreed like at uh in this spot above the the next bit of a clump here which the next bit of a clump are I had them when I was making my roster uh, or making my power rankings. It's like, all right, it's easily going to be these three at the bottom. I'll shift them around or whatever. But these all had big yikes for me. <laughs> uh, big they, yikes. This is the big yikes tier? This is the big yikes tier. They were like, you know, there was there's something for each one of these. So I don't know. Which ones you guys want to start with? I mean, we can just keep going down. Dig is, is technically uh, eighth on, on the mm-hmm. aggregate rankings for us. Well, uh, dig for me the, I mean, what? that was the nuclear button. They they pushed the nuclear option on their roster. The, yeah, the old break glass in case of emergency. They smashed the hell out of that glass and, you know, get me no, out. My, my my problem with, with dig is I'm I'm having trouble uh, looking at at the Huni for Viper swap as anything but saving money. That is that is yep. why it's it's tough for me, uh, and and I get that from a business point of view. You know, if it, you know, it's all been you know talked about. You know, Jacob Wolf and all these people talking about the like, what was it like one point two million dollar contract from Hooney. He was clearly not playing like like that caliber of player. You know, that type of contract is like you're the best in the league and you're crushing it, right? And that is not the results they were getting from Hooney, and that is not the results Zingtus was getting as a squad. But you are bringing in in Viper who looked pretty bad on FlyQuest. Like he was clearly the worst part of that team, right? And and maybe he can really step it up, but it's like it's been a couple of years it feels like of really being hopeful because he has these incredible pop-off games on Riven. Sometimes he has some really good HR games here and there and stuff, but it it's he's never been able to replicate the same success he has on, on Riven with consistency on other champions. Like clearly we know he can be good mechanically. Clearly we know that he can he can pull off these things that he has the potential to do so. But he seems to be really held back sometimes by decision making and, and you know repeating the same mistakes. Like one of the games that really stuck in my head from spring was this Mordekaiser game where he just kept alting, I think it was double lift on on Felios and losing the 1v1 and just doing it over and over and over and over. And it was like you're just ramming your head into the wall in the same way every single time so you know i am kind of concerned um by by that change for digging cost mean, they they saw you know who needs mordekaiser and they were like oh yeah let's get something even better let's get vipers yeah so that that's rough man and then dardock uh also joining the team he's now on his his seventh team uh in the lcs you know um clearly he, he has not been able to find much longevity with with any of the other rosters i don't think that you can blame like all the TSM issues or anything like that on Dardock. I think he was fine, um, but you know, f- for one reason or another, uh, no one seems to want to stick with Dardock. And I, and I think that you know, whether it's in-game issues, personality issues, whatever, um, it has been a, a bit of you know, kind of musical chairs for him. And you know, we'll see if if he can kind of like bring something different to Dignitas, but. When you look at the pieces surrounding him, it's hard to think that he will have more success on Dignitas than he would have on TSM. Yeah, I, mean, I also just feel like it's such a big yikes for Acadian. I 
I thought Acadian was one of the best parts of Dig at the end of the last mm-hmm. split when they brought him in. I was like, oh, you know what? He's feeling confident again. Um, well, do we know that Acadian isn't starting? Well, no. we know. No, we we know at least they're signing Dardock behind him, and they're very clearly said that Dardock is at least playing for the spot. Oh, you know, so it's like the great Acadian thing and all over they did, again. They did a we 10-man all, roster thing. Yeah. yeah, we already saw what happens when he had that situation. You know, that's this is obviously not every player is different, but that's not a, a great situation for Acadian to be in. Um, and when we saw him out of that type of situation with the extra pressure of, oh, we're, we're both playing for Spartan's starting spot every single day, um, I thought that he had played very well so um i feel i feel kind of bad for for all parts of of this uh emergency smash glass situation for for dig and i'm just like where does it stop here because uh, you know getting rid of the million dollar contracts millions of dollars of contract is one thing um but uh where where are the shockwaves going to end basically for this yeah, I mean, that's why I put them ninth. It's just every single roster move they did was taking in a player that another team, you know, basically didn't want. Um, and then they're just going to mix it all up in hopes a winning formula pops out. That winning formula very well could pop out, but the, I don't. It just feels really, the odds really bad. Aren't there. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Let's keep it rolling then. Uh, yeah, next to big yikes. <laughs> <laughs> big yikes number two. The big yikes uh, that was existing in spring. And to be fair, this is not like a new big yikes. This is just this is one where the fans wanted the smash glass in the team. So, like, why? We're great. <laughs> Mark put them in playoffs though, eighth place, you know, right there. <laughs> oh crap, you're right. Yeah, but uh, I found CLG according to my rankings. Eighth yeah. place. So CLG, talk about their bright spot. Pole Belter, everybody knows. <laughs> All right. We're talking about CLG. It's gonna be a game intro. What are we talking about? It's gonna be Pope Belter. Um, Sticks they- A on Kalen. Can be good. <laughs> They uh, they added Pope out there, and uh, I've definitely heard a lot of continued good things about the direction that he's bringing to the team, not only within the games, but even from his very brief coaching stint on Team Liquid. Some of the players have talked about on CLG. I've talked about like, okay, so Pope Belter is talking about and bringing up things that our coaches, um, you know, didn't even do uh, or do well previously mm-hmm. so i feel just feel like yeah it's it's that was a huge and great addition for them but they were unable to kind of build off of that and people were like looking for a, the next step to have more faith for for summer but um maybe just more more time with pose belter will bump them up that's why i gave them the uh, tiniest of bumps I out of last place and I, i've raised them up all right you know more that's, time with this i mean gonna... like so, some of this stuff is such a negative spiral that like what happened with crown just being terrible and eventually just like getting i don't know if he quit or got kicked by mid split whatever it was no longer on the roster like that is such a death blow to your team's confidence and mentality um, mm-hmm. Even if you do get like the temporary honeymoon phase with Pobelter coming in, they won a couple games during that window. You know, you, you, you've climbed up to like, what, three and six were they at that point or something like that? And then they, they lost a bunch more and then it's yeah. instantly back out of, out of the playoff hunt again. So like, I think coming in with a fresh split, maybe it still feels bad because it's overall the same roster. Um, it's a new day, Mark. Ah. Yeah, but at Rise least it's a shine. little bit newer day. Like if, if I can <laughs> see them <laughs> doing better – uh, than than they did in the first half of their uh, you know 2019 yeah. split where they're like Here's, one and nine. 
So here's, here's my thing though, is that like, you know, I agree with you, Kobe, everyone wants to go to the pole belter thing. Cause it's like the only glimmer of hope on CLG, you know, it's like, I also heard he had scribs recently. He bad. had that Victor game and that sick TP on Syndra, Rude right? Just, just things. watch that one sick TP on Syndra where he kills them and they win the game, you know? And that's like, that's the, the culmination of, of CLG split. And so he came in, you know, they had one win at that point. They then went two and three over the next five and people like, Hey, Maybe CLG with Pobelder ain't so bad. Then they lost five straight games to end the split. It's not as though they only had a couple games with him. They played ten games with him. They, they played went more two and them. two and eight with him, right? You know, if you're like averaging that out uh, over over the course of the season, you're still dead last by a lot. That's why right? I said, you know, it was the it was the the, the weight from starting zero <laughs> or one and seven with Crown, and that's why they couldn't recover. Now it's, it's totally better, and that's why they'll be eighth. Yeah, uh, that's why I like. I give him the smallest of bumps. Wait till you get to our biggest yikes, Azale. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the place, twist at the end of the immortals, power race. Immortals here, and um, you know this is is maybe surprising to some people. Um, but I was watching, uh, you know, a source here over on Hotline League uh, who who is <laughs> who is talking about the fact that Smithy was going to get benched that he wasn't actually going to be starting. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, how in God's name is this team going to win a game? If you know, you have potluck starting uh, over Smithy. I felt like Smithy was, was the source of, of most, if not all of their wins. Um, Aka has to me consistently been the worst mid laner in the league by, you know, by quite a bit. Uh, I did think that kind of, the way that they got out, they, they kind of wiggled out some of these wins was like, oh, so as an Smithy are, are kind of these like smart players and they have these like weird situations where they win maybe a game that they shouldn't. But usually it was off of like Smithy having some pretty good games and some decent performance from everyone else. But this team had a lot of wins that, you know, it didn't look like they should get if you kind of pause the game, you know, at a certain point. Um, and, and I think that when you're taking who was, in my opinion, your best player, benching them, for someone who's a relative unknown, uh, unless potluck just becomes like blabber 2.0 or something, which I, I I am not seeing because I have not, you know, again, you're taking a player from, I think it was ninth place Academy team, right? It's not even though that they were doing well in Academy, you're taking from one of the worst Academy teams in the league and putting it on, on your starting LCS roster. And you're assuming that it's going to be better. Like, I have no idea unless there's some like crazy personality issues or like, you know, the coaches aren't agreeing with Smithy or Smithy doesn't want to play anymore. Who knows what's happening, but if he's benched, I can't see this team being anything but last. Yeah. I think well, that's... you put them not last though. Oh, sorry. Yeah, true. I put them, I put them <laughs> ninth. I put them ninth. <laughs> tenth, ninth or 10th. He doesn't even think ninth about CLG. Tenth. He's like, I can't even see them being yeah. anything but last. And it's because, well, uh, CLG is last, but that doesn't even excuse mean me. Yeah. yeah. So, ninth, like basically uh, bottom of the table. <laughs> um, but, but I've boomed myself there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I just don't see where they're going to pick up their wins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, the, the speculation I had heard too was also that this, as as we talked about in Holland League, was that it was uh, almost the entire roster was being potentially messed around with, with you know, solo lanes being a little bit less because of the import rules. Um, so yeah, there's just not much confidence with this team considering that they, they busted out towards the end of the last split. And I think that was what people honestly thought that team's level was, uh, you know, that kind of revealed at the last couple of weeks as they, they fell out of the playoffs after being, you know, relatively high in the standings. And, and like you're saying, with the changes to Smithy potentially not starting, then there's no, I, I don't see why they would, you know, put up any wins. That's why I have them last. Yeah. So we can't confirm any of these rumors, but 
Travis put out an interview with Soaz himself where Soaz says that he can't confirm if he or the previous starting roster are going to be playing. So if Soaz is also saying this, um, and maybe that, you know, maybe the if the Smithy one is true, and you possibly add on top of it the other kind of senior uh, member that people are looking to for mm-hmm. game direction or strategy or something along these lines. Um, that is why this is some troubling stuff to hear. It's really unfortunate that none of this is confirmed or, and none of this is. Um, yeah, we know, have starting, to wait for the official start, starting rosters, which yeah. will be Thursday. I think we have to submit them. So uh, it's unfortunate that that's not for sure, but he, just, even just just hearing these possibilities is you know makes it uh, yeah I mean like if, if Smithy does start in, and they, they play on the entire split or something I, I, w- I probably wouldn't put them 10th so this is a little bit yeah. up in the air just because we don't have yeah. the full information of who's actually starting in three days but yeah. we two days but we know we know their is. player roster right like we know the yeah. roster is locked yeah. uh, already and, and that is all public it's a big difference they, between potluck and Smithy, though yeah so even yeah. though they're you, both possible second uh, winningest player all time in north america in terms of championship or potluck <laughs> might have an influence on how the season goes yep all right well that is our power rankings uh, be sure to let us know what you guys think about that. Maybe give us your power rankings. I'm, I'm interested to see what the the community power rankings is going to be and kind of how that how well, that lines give them up to you, <laughs> <laughs> People aren't shy about that. That's true. That's, that's very very true. All right. The other big thing we I, I really am kind of excited for is is the meta, right? You know, it's it's patch 10.11. That is going to be the LCS patch coming through. So I've been watching a fair bit of LPL. Um, and you know, Wukong has been very popular there. I've been seeing it a lot in solo queue. Um, all the pros that are streaming are playing Wukong. You know, it's it's both being picked and banned a lot in LPL, really kind of across the board. Um, it's something that I that I'm expecting to see a lot of uh, in the in the top lane. You know, it has has a lot of different builds. It's strong into melee matchups. You can do kind of like Bork Black Cleaver on hit stuff. You can do Triforce Death Dance. Um, and it, it's not only a strong laner, like where you can have these extended uh, trades with your passive where you're building up regen and, and becoming more and more difficult to actually burst out. Um, but the team fighting is obviously really strong with the double knockup from the ultimate. You know, you have two charges of that now. Your clone can actually knock people up too if you haven't already knocked them up with your main uh, ultimate. So there is a lot of, of power in the kid. And I think that's something that's going to become incredibly popular. Uh, something that also stood out to me from LPL uh, was the fact that Varus was 100% presence with only bans. So very clearly, people think that Varus is really, really strong right now. He for sure is. Um, and for the live patch, he's getting a nerf. But we are going to be starting the LCS on 10-11. Mm-hmm. And he will be in full power. By the way, this is mostly lethality poke Varus, which goes really well in combination with a lot of the uh, other trends of champions. I feel like right now, a theme has uh, emerged. It's not every OP champion, but a lot of them have this very easy to throw out non-committal damage. Uh, There's a lot of poke variations. Yumi is OP. Ezreal is extremely strong right now. The Varus is extremely strong right now. Zoe, Exactly. All of these things have uh, some similarities where you can get big picks. You can get big chunks of 
uh, opponent's health without having to put yourself into a dangerous position. And that is really, really valuable, especially at the highest level of play and why it's been emerging so many pro leagues because you can do this before an objective or um, you can, there's not a huge cost to throwing out a lot of these and you can continue to fish for those plays. Then once one of them hits, you get to capitalize on it. And I think that that's one of the things standing out for a lot of the teams. That's not to say that only poke is good right now. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, and especially in, in LPL, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, similar uh, similarities to some of the old things, but um, all of those champions, I think, are extremely strong right now and are going to be super high tier in the band phases. Um, I don't know about you if you want to add on that, Mark, because there's a whole bunch more jungle stuff that I want to dive into. Uh, yeah, no, I was like, where are we going? Are we on top lane? Or are we on AD <laughs> carry? What are we talking about right now? Uh I think just bouncing back to top lane real quick, it's more or less the same meta in terms of like what you're expecting to see, which is a lot of either carries or bruisers. Uh, mm-hmm. Tanks are still relatively dead aside for Ornn. Um, and so like for teams, you know, you basically expect them to to mostly stick with that and teams should be expected to play around top lane to an extent. Maokai is up there potentially. He is popular and he is strong. Um, we just haven't seen him too much in the LPL, but they are not the region I would expect <laughs> to break out Maokai first globally. So this could be just underrepresented in, in some of their games. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Maokai is pretty strong for a while, actually. You know, even towards mm-hmm. the end of spring, we were starting to see him pop up more. I do think we are going to continue to see him slotted in where it makes sense. Um, you know, Maokai versus AP especially, I think, can be really, really strong. You know, the sap magic passive, like you're, you get so tanky through the cell feeling that it, it can be you know, very, very difficult to actually deal with. Um, but... You know, another really big thing that is on the on the ten eleven patch. Obviously, ten twelve is coming out on live, but ten eleven patch was kind of the the marksman buffs, right? You know, all of these marksmen were getting uh, more health per level, more base health. Um, you know, zeal, all the zeal items got additional movement speed added to it. Uh, the marksmen that kind of fit in solo lane as well as bot lane, like Clista, Tristana, uh, I think it was also Vayne and Lucian, all got buffs outside of just the flat HP buff. They got kind of smaller buffs um, because there was concerns that they would just start to dominate in solo lanes too much. Um, but obviously, they're trying to bring more power back to the marksman role, uh, you know, allowing them to have you know, a little bit more ability to kind of survive through some of this burst with some of the stacking HP. So I, I do think that will have have some effect. Um, but it's one of those things that it's like it's kind of more hidden. You know, it's 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 hard to really like feel the, the power as much with just a little bit of health. But base health and and scaling health buffs can actually make a really big difference as far as win rates. Yeah. What else can we talk about before we get to jungle? Just to tease Kobe some more. Uh, uh, we could talk about individual OP combinations because I know people love that and they just want to listen to something. What can I abuse? Because uh, I've got Calista, a bunch. Callista set. That's my favorite one. Easily. Omni, I think uh, Omni Stone. Omni Stone set. Yeah, I just, I mean, just the idea of whipping someone into the team, knocking them up, and then like comboing it with a pile driver back into your team feels to me like exactly a wrestling move that would exist. So one, it's strong, and two, it's thematically dope as hell. If you if you want to play support set, uh, you should go Omnisone. I've been seeing the most success with that, and a lot of people are playing Omnisone specifically because of how it, it's it's AI or whatever you want to call it actually decides when you get Predator. Now you get Predator so often off of recalls and coming out of base. So I'm seeing so many 
uh, Omnistone sets now where they're rushing Swifty Boots, going into Dead Man's, and they just base, and they come out of base so frequently with Predator, and they just zoom down a lane at 100,000 miles an hour and are lane ganking people and stuff. It's really, really annoying to actually deal with. It's also quite fun to play, so uh, definitely recommend trying that out uh, You know, with the Swifty Boots, Predator, Dead Man type type setup uh, using Omnistone, he can be pretty powerful. And, and Omnistone actually works fairly well as long as uh, you have, say, a, a melee support or someone that you can actually trade into in lane two. Yeah. Another option for set uh, that's really popular is Phase Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, phase Rush right now support, though, is extremely good lane, right? uh, for a solo lane or jungle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jungle set is still very viable. Um, and it's Phase Rush is just, if you have a champion that can incorporate it because they buffed it, um consecutively over two patches it was actually quite a while ago but people didn't really fully embrace it because everyone always thinks ah i need a damage keystone if i don't have my electrocute or conquer or uh, you know dark harvest or something then i'm missing out and i wouldn't be able to kill this guy but mobility is so so good plus it's really easy to proc now um and not uh removing slows and stuff on you is mm-hmm. so good that's why it's by far and away if you are still running fleet footwork on graves or something like that and you have not embraced the the phase rush um revolution then it, you are losing out uh and you you're easily going to gain lp if you switch over to phase rush because uh, it's if you have a champion that can incorporate it like graves or something like that i can bully you it is it's just so much extra chase down power and escape power, which is something mm-hmm. that people really underestimate for a lot of champions that do commit and getting off your, your uh, proc is very easy to do. It can allow you uh, to turn a champion that is normally thought of as a one-way ticket engage only uh, to having complete safety. One thing I, I will caution against for, for top lane, if you're going to go phase rush on set, make sure it's in a matchup where they need to be kiting you, right? Or it's like you're trying to chase them down. Because if you just, if you're going like phase rush into like Aatrox server and you're just sitting there and slapping each other and they have conquer, it doesn't work out so well for you. Um, but it can be really good, especially into things like, you know, if you're playing against like a Jace or whatever, like you're talking about, if you can get him with the clap, and proc that phase rush, he can't really kite you. You can chase him down and beat him down, and it can be you know really strong in the, in those types of matchups, which is pretty cool. Spoiler: all the Jaces are going to run phase rush now too. So uh, <laughs> it's this is kind of then the, you get the, dead mans and swifties. It's battle yeah, and speed. <laughs> this is the arms race. I've been seeing. Um, yeah, just everybody's trying phase rush on any whatever is is your champion. If you feel like you know you can incorporate it, there mm-hmm. are there are a lot of good uses um, for it. Um, Moving on to more OP stuff, though, I have some like specific combinations. What's taken over the tank Senna? Have you guys seen the Grasp Frozen Mallet Tanky Senna? Yeah. It's so so annoying and so ridiculously good because even though they keep nerfing her and they uh, did another little hit to her soul generation, she can easily get Grasp all the time um, in her trades and lane while she's still trying to. Uh, chalk those up and she becomes incredibly tanky then you still get the slow when you build your frozen mallets uh later with her and performs the same way with giving you that big benefit of allowing your support to be a super fed you know juiced up support and people are still running all variations of whatever um you know supports can also be damage dealers even because they're getting so much extra income yeah it's like using um glacial augment and it's just having as an item instead in a power more powerful version so you can keep training people down or kiting 
I will say with, with those types of builds, you got to make sure you're doing it against, uh, you know, a team that you can actually be consistently autoing against the whole time. You know, like if you're against like a melee support and you can be constantly proccing grasp and stacking it up and everything the whole time, and you can be kind of kiting them out. That's really useful. I have also seen people doing that build though, where they just end up, I mean, frozen mallet is expensive, right? And, and they're, they're not doing so hot and they're sitting on like a giant's belt and like, oh, and six. And you know, it's like, it looks pretty bad when it goes bad, but I think it can be strong if it if it's appropriate you know if it makes sense for the situation um but and it's taken over in pro play it's pretty much all that now um yeah. and then obviously the black cleaver later too even helps with some of those problems uh, you know you get your armor shred and you get your extra move speed too yeah definitely really strong and another thing that you know we, we can talk about a little bit is volibear um but this is not the buff volibear that's actually on 1012 so i think we're going to see none of it in pro um i don't know how much you've played it kobe i messed around with a couple games and i was like i'm going to wait for the buffs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the hot fixes were nice um yeah. i i did i did feel the hot fix difference um mm -hmm. and i don't have to wait any longer for the buffs because i could play i play on live right yep. so yep. uh so we're in there for live and i think with the with the um, with live, I think it's it's definitely super strong. Uh, I think people are really going to underestimate it right now. Um, one of the things is that so much of your power is your ultimate. Your ultimate is absolutely insane. The difference between good volley bears and your thirty eight percent win rate or what uh, or so volley bears is going to be active use of your ultimate. Basically, with this champion, it's very simple. It's not it's not like the old volley bear. Um, you need to go to whatever lane is winning can help push in for a tower dive. Your tower dives are insane. Your ult does so much damage. It turns the towers off for an extra second now was the last buff uh, from two seconds up to three seconds, even at level one. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you just go pressure any lane that you already have an advantage in. Uh, Volibear is extremely good at, at brawling early. So you just bring more advantages to that and you completely remove the tower so it's just been really easy for me to snowball when i'm queuing with a bunch of uh, i usually queue with a lot of friends for like flex queue and stuff um it is it's just so fun when you know yeah. and you have good communication with with uh your lane that's going to be pushing up as long as you time that right with your minion wave i think volley bear will um uh, with with the buffs rise up from from literally the lowest win rate jungle in the entire game and kind of dumpster fire where he was released at. I mean, he he's gone up like going on like twenty percent win rate from when he first came out. He was sitting like thirty four yeah. or something. He's now at fifty three, right? With the hotfix buffs, with people learning him, with the ten twelve buffs. Um, you know, the other big thing about the ultimate is it's like even once a turret turns back on you get a bunch of bonus hp so you're kind of like you know renekton where you can actually tank some more of those early yeah. shots even before you have a lot of health built up so uh it is it is pretty powerful um i do think that you know it, it's it's so well suited for those tower dives it's very easy like as the turret is turning back on to have your e dropping for the the bonus shield there you have your ultimate for the 500 hp you have all these ways to actually then like, you know tank up the turret and allow allow even an extended tower dive to actually make things happen so uh, he is pretty interesting but don't think we're going to see him until the next patch comes out. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to say, like, when I played him at, at the start before any hotfixes or anything, like, he felt really weak, but at least he seemed cool still. So I'm kind of happy that, net, like, because he was, he was one of those champions that I'm like, okay, this is, like, fixable, right? You just need to change the numbers and he'll be fun um and and now i feel like he, he's kind of getting to that point which is pretty cool because i do like the ultimate you know even just 
outside of outside of tower dives just to be able to like just jump into the back line and stuff yeah like you you get really tanky and Go ahead, Mike. My, my concern with some of this is like the numbers, if they become too good, he does feel like one of those run the game over esque champions to me. Uh, with I mean, some he's of that like early... a Garen, right? He's just, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. He, he runs straight at you, and it's basically a bit of a, a stat check. Like, can you, do you have the tools to slow him down, and then can you kill him? But he has the gap closing alt, which I think makes him a little bit more annoying than things that traditionally fill that role a little bit, like, I don't know, Garen, Darius uh olaf these kinds of things that you just kind of run at you which if he starts getting fed he seems like he's going to be pretty obnoxious to deal with in in pro play with the coordination of the tower dives that kobe's talking about and stuff like that um we'll have to see because like you said people still learning him and stuff but it was one of those things where as i was watching him be used by good players i was like this looks really obnoxious (laughs) and like hard a little hard to deal with so you know how they talk about when they're creating a champion, they have um, you know a certain amount of power that they can allocate you know, to different areas of the kit. This is this is to me the one when I was playing it, I was just like really underwhelmed with before I hit level six, and I was like, oh okay, it's like yeah, I can like shoot my E. It's kind of ranged now, but I really want to be in it for the shield and I get this. Okay, I stun them instead of flipping them. I feel like almost all this new power budget was all put into the ultimate. You are your ultimate is pretty much everything to me with this champion when you're playing it because not only is it the added mobility, it's what changes him from from old volley bear because you have this uh, you know extra gap closer, but it also turns off towers for a super long time. Also gives him so much more combat power. So um, that that's my fear is that it has turned volley bear into. Um, just this this completely alt-centric champion. Even even his E is like empowered by his alt with the max health bonus that you get. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it it can be tough, but I I also like always do feel like with champions that are like this, unless they're absurdly strong, they're not nearly as strong in pro generally, like the Garens and the Dariuses and the, even, even previously old Volibear had a higher win rate than this. He was sitting at like 54 forever. Um, but those champions are dealt with more easily at the really high elos and especially in pro play where people are better at kiting, people are better at disengaging, people are better at dealing with this. I don't know if the exact same things will apply with Volibear because the ultimate is is atypical from from your regular juggernaut where they just kind of have to keep walking at you and and like Morkana or whatever just totally stops that because Volibear can just jump his ass in there. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. like that that's that is the difference. that is the difference, right? And so and that's he has why. Utility. Yeah, so that that's why I'm wondering, like, if it is going to be that champion that kind of bridges the gap and and is a little bit different. Um, but at the same time, if it is just this one button you have to play around and you can you can disengage with like a trundle pillar or a whatever uh, when he ults in, then maybe he's he's still not going to be as strong. Like, I'm not really sure because once he's in there, he still only has like the one second stun on his cues. So we can't necessarily hold you in place and and force you to fight as much um, as as some of these other champions. All right, I've got another uh, OP combination for people. And this one actually is is one specific combination uh, that's popping up more in pro, but is just the item itself is also OP, and, and it doesn't have to be just uh, an Ezreal thing. But the death stance that people started building on Ezreal now opened more people's eyes to how good death stance as an item is after the change to the build path where it now get, builds out of the Aegis and gives you armor and magic resistance mm-hmm. and they change the stats on it, this item is so incredibly good. I've been spamming it on any of my snowball junglers 
uh, Rek'Sai, Olaf, they are amazing with this. It's, it's even better. These are champions that would previously rush into Guardian Angel, which, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, it gives you the armor and you get the revive, but you're like, you pop. It's, to me now, it's just better in all scenarios. Um, and especially if I'm on a champion that does get early kills like Rek'Sai, Olaf, getting these early leads, it just allows you to run off the entire map with this with this snowball. And the fact that pros are, have been building it um, on Ezreal all the time as well, um, with, the, with the leech basically being universal and being able to get it off all these damage types now, um, it just feels like it has so many applications. I honestly would not be surprised if down the line they, they, they pull back a little bit on this item because I feel like right now, especially for, if you're in solo queue and you're looking to carry, um, if you get any sort of uh, lead, you should you should definitely yeah. uh, build this. People just start drain tanking you it's... like crazy if they're ahead with death dance. And one of the, one of the things that I think makes it feel so good on marksmen, and I've I've been trying it on on some other marksmen too, not just uh, Ezreal, is that it, one of the things I always felt really bad about is you know say there is a lethality stacker and someone has spell pen, right? You're fighting against like the right guard LeBlanc. Quick run to wild build. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, do you get the hex drinker? Oh. Do you get do you get the PD and try to not get like one shot and hope that saves you? Like how how are you supposed to itemize here to not get one shot, right? And Death Dance really does feel um, so incredibly efficient. You know, even games where it's like it doesn't have to be as extreme. It can be like uh, you know a Syndra mid who's who's going to have spell pen and they have a Jace with some lethality in the top lane or whatever. Well. The Aegis becomes so incredibly effective because that flat penetration, you know, is moving you to near true damage levels at times, right? And they're getting so much added damage because of that. So even just the Aegis as a component itself uh, is going to give you so much survivability and kind of like erase a lot of that flat pen that people are building up. So it can be really, really nice. You know, it's it's fairly easy to build into now. Like you can get, you know, a bunch of long swords and some resistances and even just like sit on a null if you need some early magic resist and, and these types of things. So I uh, definitely agree. It's really, really strong pretty much across the map. One of the things you made the wrong point on is though is that feels good on marksmen because nothing feels good on marksmen. Didn't if you if you hadn't heard. Oh. They are <laughs> they are again complaining the marksman players marksmen are always complaining i know this is uh this is the newest wave so i don't don't know yes they are always complaining and their experience did get nerfed so yeah i i I, there's always a a great great area and i do agree with you (laughs) um uh, you know about the about the complaints but i also recognize um the the experience changes definitely did level Uh, discrepancies are frustrating because I feel it as a jungler, um, uh, and we've gone through ups and downs as well, and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I feel a lot better about ganking bottom lane in the current state. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes, I, I will try and get a solo laner ahead because they can also carry really hard, you know, with the solo lane experience and mm-hmm. everything. But, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the bottom lane qualms it, it about feel, the It feels bad if you feel like you're laning well and you look up and the mid laner's three levels above you or whatever, right? You're four levels above you or something. You know, like that. I get that. Um, and I also know that there was like, uh, I saw this clip. I don't know all the context to it, the but a Cassidy. lot of people were complaining about like, yeah, like Cassidy and killing, killing Sneaky or, or whatever. And Sneaky's like 15 and one on Jin or something. But at the same time, it's like you have no MR. You're playing against this champion that has like, you know, his, his stacking full combos you and full combos you. And, and that's just kind of the way some of those champions work at the same time obviously there are situations in which you know marksmen are incredibly strong and and the other thing that i think people often overlook is that marksmen become more and more powerful with the other pieces around them 
the more defense you have for the marksman, the more support you have for the marksman, it amplifies their power incredibly high, right? You know, they become better and better in those types of situations. You know, uh, like the Jin, Jin is maybe pretty strong alone, but the Jin with like a Lulu speeding him up and shielding him and, and you know, uh, and like someone peeling for him and all these types of things, like they have such consistent high damage, right? And obviously, uh, there are frustrations with marksmen, there are issues with marksmen, but you know, like using, using like a cherry pick clip like that as an example, never really works for me because I play a lot of vein and you could just take clips of me on vein, you know, insta killing 4,000 HP armor stacking tanks. Right. And like, that feels pretty bad for them. I know it does. <laughs> I just yeah. need a rage blade and a bork and it doesn't matter. You could have six defensive items. You're getting Lim getting limited attack speed marksman versus assassin in a three yeah. second window is never going to be a, a fair representation of what those champions are designed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think um, that the they they need a little something there with the uh, well, all the changes that I've gotten to experience. It's funny actually though that you specifically pull up the clip and mention Cassidin because that champion everyone's always has their eyes on level sixteen, and with the mm -hmm. changes to solo lane experience, it is quicker for Cassidins to get to level sixteen. And that is a champion that I am expecting to be in pro play when we come back as a counter pick for sure. Um, I think that uh, the window to try and abuse Cassidens before they get to this point uh, and it's super low cooldown, by the way, and your ultimate that is, is one of the main things why everyone's always looking at level 16, your rank 3 ultimate, obviously. Um, but um, I, I think that he's going to be one of the big ones that does emerge, especially as we look more and more closely at pick and ban phase. It's going to be really interesting about um, you know hiding these counter picks and flex flex picks are going to be very important at the beginning of summer yeah yeah i mean the, the, the rub on caston is always the same thing about like his early game you can get to 16 faster um but is he any better at surviving until then uh even if it is two minutes earlier or something um it's still a concern especially with some of the jungle stuff and uh how strong and, and invade heavy they are if you have a mid laner who's functionally useless pre-six in terms of collapsing and helping in those kinds of situations and wave clears uh, non-existent. Yeah, and your wave clears non-existent. It feels like if I'm like the Grace Trundle matchup, which is a very popular one right now, uh, like that would just feel miserable if if I had Cassidy not to help or anything like that. Now, obviously, you probably shouldn't pair those two together, which you're going to say is a draft mess up. But it is one of those things which is why you there's more limitations on drafting the Cassidy than there are for a lot of champions. Yeah, even if they can't abuse you in the 1v1, almost everything can push on Cassidy and then grip up with their jungler and get in your face, try to counter jungle the jungler and maybe take him out of the game that way. So it is situational, but I do agree casting can be really, really strong. Uh, other thing I, I've been seeing a lot of and think is super strong in solo queue right now, at least is Fiddle. Uh, Fiddle 6 seems really, really good. He has gotten a lot of buffs. It feels like... I've been spamming him, and they <laughs> already nerfed him. The nerf was really small, so I'm like, okay, good. That's, That's enough, enough of the That's nerfs, enough. right? That's all? <laughs> Because they only nerfed his, his damage to lane minions by 10%. And I was like, all right, I'm going to Yeah, that'll do it. it. That's good. Uh, I mean, he, he well, seems so strong FG, now, man. Like the the effigy is a sweeper. Like even just early game vision control. Some of the things that I think is really like strong about him seems like it should be transferable to, to pro. It's so easy to start with a pink, to drop an effigy in one pixel brush, to drop a pink in the other. Uh, yeah, or, or two pinks if you want to start, but I'm just talking about like having one down and one FG at the start of the game, mm. um, you know, allows you to have vision like uh, by both scuttles early on, right? This is something that alone is really powerful. Your W is actually so strong now to the point where if, if I'm having a good game on fiddle, I feel like 
I am actually just standing there and tanking their damage and out healing it. Like it can be really, really nasty. The ultimate is obviously very, very strong. Um, you know, I, I do think that he has gotten to a point where I would be really excited to see him played. Uh, in the past, when Fiddle Six has been strong, like the old Fiddle, we never really saw him much besides, oh God, who it was a Zingy, Definitely. I want to say. Oh, I thought you were talking about the support fiddle. We saw a fair amount oh, of... Oh, no, uh, I'm talking about jungle fiddle. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to um, say support fiddle with the... Uh, support fiddle, we did see nuts. some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, but I'm thinking it was Zingy was like Karthus fiddle player, if I'm recalling correctly, right? That was like way back in the day. But yeah. that's like the last time I can remember seeing like actual jungle fiddle. So I'm hoping we're going to see him some. I think he is a really cool champion. I do think that vision control is so important on this champion, and it always has been, to be able to, you know, ult from surprising angles. And the effigies, like having a sweeper on them, allows you the ability to set yourself up for these ultimates much more frequently, right? Like when you're walking around with pinks, you can pink one area, you can effigy another area, and and make sure that they don't know where you are to come from these angles that may surprise them. And I think it, it really kind of changes the game anytime he's in it. So actually playing it, I do a lot of times wish that I could have a normal sweeper uh, to walk through a long yeah, area. That's true. Yeah. Um, but as long as you are buying your pink wards and after level six, your, uh, your effigy wards will sweep as well in your area. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can coordinate with your team. I haven't had any problems still controlling vision, but I have had to communicate, um, a lot more with solo queues, definitely more difficult than, than pro play. But, um, I also start to think of pro play may, maybe getting a lot better at avoiding fiddlesticks ultimates because that is one of the worst feelings is getting to an area you think has no vision for sure and ulting and then backing up just in time, spamming you with emotes as your ult gets nothing and making you look like a fool. Um, like that, that can happen all of the time. Uh, some quick things I just want to run down because I am going to do like a, a fiddlesticks segment. You can double uh, leash most of the camps, red plus raptors, Wolves plus blue into blue plus Gromp. Um, you can do them at the same time, getting them close at the sweet spot to um, use your W and drain both of them at once. Greatly increases your clear time. Plus, a big part of playing Fiddle now is also making use of the passive thing where you can get your fear simply by getting uh, ulting the people out of vision so that the reaction time is even less than, um, less than your Q. Uh, that has been a huge one in one-shotting people. So... Uh, I just feel like there are so many options. And with the buffs to Predator coming up on the next batch, I'm actually going to switch over to Predator uh, since live right now, it has the super low cooldown. All right, now on to Twitter questions. Um, well, first one we have in here. Uh, this one looks like it's just at Mark. Uh, this is one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Cam Edgecomb says, uh, at Mark Z, who would be the better head coach? Yeah, who would be, be the better head coach, Mark? Co head, Kobe head or Zale? Head coach. Mm -hmm. hmm. uh did you guys look for any other of the twitter questions by the way because we didn't put any other ones in here i can just go i, I was right looking now. you can look okay. while i while i deliberate all right me and I, Joe can find some while you yeah, answer I, I feel like i would expect maybe azale to be the better head coach mm, that's a good answer yeah, like i feel like kobe this. would be Yikes. maybe a better strategic coach okay kobe's a very friendly affable guy he's great to mm -hmm. hang out with has a lot of great ideas about the it's like, game. Like analyzing a game with your friend on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be such a great strategic coach, jungle position coach even, you know, really helping elevate you to the next level. But I feel like Azale 
with the bald head just exudes authority and yeah, like everyone true. will listen and just be like yeah i guess i'll do what he says uh, yeah and so I would, I would honestly a- the sunglasses right now is pretty perfect for it too <laughs> yeah like if this guy was standing in front of a hitman going on he's standing in front of a room telling you what to do are you gonna be like no yeah i mean i would have a clipboard for sure too like that's the first thing any head coach needs is a clipboard right like you know just get the whole doctor's yeah, yeah. outfit you don't even have to be writing anytime someone says something to me i was like mm, sorry you know, just start, just they'll start assume the worst out. yeah <laughs> like oh no i've got to listen to him he's gonna write something bad good answer mark i like it thank you thank you you right. find another question or i not give you enough time uh, i'll just go with the one i'm looking at right now so, uh and as i can try and find uh, the last one um uh, this one is from devin zxz how do you think the meta has changed from the end of spring to the start of summer patch does this change uh the weighting of some of the teams based on their expected play styles um one thing i was going to list in there uh, the, the patch section was just all of the uh, junglers that people have been playing for uh, when I've been talking to the pro players for their scrim metas and stuff. Um, and there's there's been a couple of camps where uh, the Graves, the Nidalee, the Kindred style, that's uh, super heavy, uh, and Olaf, these power farmers that aggressively power farm your enemies' camps and invade them and harass them, and you try and coordinate your entire team around um, you know, controlling... Uh, the jungle that we did see emerge uh, a lot with the LPL LCK thing and people have been playing a lot of that is super big. Also the Trundle Olaf kind of trade that's been going on um, is, has been super big, but there've even been some people still playing the gank junglers, Gragas Elise. So I still feel like there are options, but with a lot more of it trending towards jun- jungle centric, um, you know, you are a, uh, Graves or something like that that can power farms can also scale up well and is going to be about playing with your jungler and invading and controlling a, a lot of these objectives. Um, that's why one of the reasons why we all kept Cloud9 way up at the top where people are like, oh, is it going to turn into a Sejuani meta for Blabber? No, it is not. So uh, I think uh, overall, though, yeah, I, I think those changes even even if you know the, the ganking options are still there there's like still not that many tanks outside trundle and maybe jarvan that you you can probably play so i don't think if you wanted to have like a team oriented jungler it's very easy to to pull off in the current yeah. meta uh combined with like a lot of the most prominent bot lane picks there's just not that many tanky champions in the game right now tanks are not pro- prevalent in the top lane mm-hmm. you see a lot of thresh karma tank senna i guess you could say but that's not really it's not a true <laughs> tank at all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, like, uh, Yumi is really prevalent as well. So, I think this is actually going to be a really volatile heavy kill meta, which is why we were talking about those pick champions being really good when there's not this fat meatball in front absorbing all your hits and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. I found another question here. Uh, I may butcher this name. I'm not sure if it's Reslived or Reslived or anyway. Um, but at Reslived says, of the four teams that missed playoffs, two have announced no roster changes. Is it irresponsible for management to believe that their team can turn it around when they were bottom of the table? Or is it worth to, uh, worth it to invest and show faith in the team that you constructed during the offseason? So, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say option C, which is like hard to make changes in between spring and summer, especially when there's a global pandemic going on. So, like, that's honestly, I think, the, the biggest hang-up. It's, it's always hard between splits to make big moves, big splashy moves, because everyone who's good and on a good team is going to be happy there. Uh, and, you're, and people aren't going to be ecstatic to join a team that was struggling. So it's normally difficult and like you can't even get some people now. 
exactly. Uh, I, I mean, visas right now are basically impossible to get. Uh, there's uh, travel is just um, ridiculous right now. So it's, uh, it's incredibly difficult. Plus, as we touched on in the beginning, when we were doing power rankings, uh, some of the teams also trying to shed big contracts. Money is another big issue uh, mm-hmm. that goes in the decision-making process. So for the teams that were at the bottom of the standings did not, you know, make a lot of changes or didn't make any changes at, at all. I first go to those reasons. I'm like, okay, money and availability, uh, both difficult right now. Um, you, you might say, okay, so then it, before spring, they should have done better scouting and got, you know, had academy for, players they want to use or something, that type yeah. of stuff. But yeah. And I do like the question though, but it would probably be a, a better question to come back to, you know, at the end of the year, right? Like if it's between summer and spring next year, then you have a big opportunity to change the roster. And then I think that's, you know, a question that really hits home. Um, I do agree that almost like in principle though, the, the same thing applies. Like I do think if, if you're not trying anything, there may be very limited options, but you should at least be exploring those options. If you're mm-hmm. sitting at, you know, bottom of the gutter, you should be trying to think what could we do? Is there anything we can we make work? Um, sometimes to your guys point, there's just nothing that can happen because people under contract, you can't get visas. Those issues may be blockers, but I do think that the teams owe it to themselves and to the fans to at least explore the options and to see, Hey, is there anything out there? Could we do something to make our team better? You know, Kabe for one, guess what? He's, he's leaving the LCS. No one grabbed him up, right? You know, maybe that could have been a, an improvement for a team. There are pieces that are flying around. They're just our, our limited pieces. I mean, Dane Toss is a good example. Like as much as we were kind of saying, oh, their moves don't seem splashy or whatever. They, they, they made a bunch of moves. Like yeah. other teams could have made moves to just try and figure out that winning formula, but they, they didn't. They're just fine to sit on what seems to be a losing one. All right. There's uh, another one that a couple people were asking here, and I think it's kind of a follow-up to the coaching question. So if you guys had to coach a team, um, which team would you want to coach? If you could be the head coach of any team, uh, which would nine LCS? Yeah. Or I I mean, you can say say outside of LCS too, if you want. I don't think I want to move out of the United States. Uh, Cloud9 has a lot of responsibilities, Kobe. What if you're the guy who messes it up? What? How am I going to mess that up? Also, I don't know, dude. I, you're, you mess also, everything I, up. I would rather just be winning <laughs> and have the possibility of messing it up than, than have to build from the ground up uh, you know, nothing and, and just start out with losing. Are you kidding me? This is, this is for sure a no-brainer for me. I also I think, think it would be really easy. Uh, I don't think that it would be easy to mess up uh, for me in any way because all of those players are so easy to talk to. Have you ever talked to like Licorice or Blabber about uh, matchups or anything like that? They're, they're, they're they, getting, nodding along like, yeah, Kobe, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, but, sure, Dad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I just feel like that that is the that is a, a dream so right I, I, I would say the the variation on my answer if it if it's like for summer split and you have no control over rosters or anything then yeah i think it's just cloud nine is the easy answer because they're so good right um but i do think it, it there is a certain like excitement or interest to being able to have a lot of input into uh the creation of a team the creation of a roster to create a direction and type of players that you want to play with and it's like if you get like carte blanche to, to actually just like make a team and you have the money to get the good players and all this sort of stuff uh, i make cloud nine <laughs> okay, well, uh, then then i think then i think it's it's think- pretty cool right so i do think there's some excitement to being like 
as long as there is good support to starting on a team that's near the bottom and trying to build it yourself right and trying to have like a big hand in that like uh I think that can be exciting too. I think yeah. TL is the, the obvious, like, this is a dream scenario. You go into a team that's supposed to be amazing. They get ninth. Anything you do is an improvement, basically. Uh, and people then, don't expect it. People are not going to be like, oh, if they get eighth, that's really good. It's an improvement. You're just going to say, the, the team was boom when I got there. It was already yeah. boom. And then in the next offseason, yeah. Steve, Mr. Moneybags, to your point, is <laughs> about building whatever roster you he want. comes and shakes a bag of hundreds yeah. on your head. As long as you don't mess it up so bad in summer that he loses all faith in you, then there, that's, that sack of cash is yours. Uh, I don't think people are going to buy, oh, you took this team, ninth place team that was in ruins before you got You traded away my best player in double if What was I supposed <laughs> to do? God. You traded them away. I'm not buying marks, and I think Azales is too much of a fairy tale uh, okay. dream animation. So he wants scenario. to go be the guy who ruins C9. That's his legacy. Uh, so we gotta, you're we talking gotta... about being realistic, Mark. I just, I'm you're you're saying I'm going to get eighth. I'm saying you're getting eighth, too. Well, you're getting it from first. <laughs> I'm getting it from ninth. <laughs> Last question here from Nikolai Stukwich. Will you ever recover from Jet's most recent abandonment? No, I never. My trust is broken forever. I yeah. mean, the first, the first time was fool enough. me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's an easy no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard no. All right, right. that's going to do it for the dive. You can get us out of here, Kobe. Yeah, uh, we got to go. Uh, today's super, super packed for us. Um, Anyways, the LCS is still going to start up Friday. 100 Thieves versus Evil Geniuses and a finals rematch with FlyQuest and Cloud9. Please be there. We will be get hyped.